0: Hey, DBC fans, Andrew Kerlin here, your uh, producer of this show, and uh, we've got a very special bonus drop on the DBC feed this week. It's an exclusive, very special episode of Speed Street, our IndyCar podcast here on Dirty Mo Media, where this week, Connor Daly tells us all about a tense driver's meeting in the IndyCar series, plus NBC's James Hinchcliffe stops by to chat with both Connor and... And Joey. I'm telling you guys, Speed Street is growing like crazy. And if if you're like me, someone who likes racing no matter what series, all you know is you like fast cars, exciting drivers, great insight. Man, I'll tell you, Speed Street hits on all cylinders. We've got a special episode for you. I suggest you listen to it. And if you like it, go and subscribe the same place you subscribe to DBC on all podcast platforms and never miss another episode. So uh, without further ado, Here's a very special episode of Speed Street.
1: This is a production of Dirty Mo Media.
2: We're heading back to the Indianapolis Motorcycle, folks. Open testing happening Thursday and Friday of this week. Very, very excited about that. Coming off of a interesting and a little bit of a wild race in long beach but we trudge on uh we got barbara coming up next week and then the month of may is finally upon us joey molinero back with you on another edition of speed street sorry i had to miss last week i was um fulfilling duties in another sort of racing horse racing uh so i wasn't with the cars i was with the horses down there in the bluegrass but uh, appreciate ben and connor filling in of course and i can't go anywhere without Of course, the co-host of this program, driver of the number 20 ride in the NTT IndyCar Series, my pal Connor Daly. CD, you were in uh, California for a long time. You're back in Indianapolis. We're heading to IMS this week. How are we feeling, man? Yeah, it
1: feels good to be back. Uh, Really, the most exciting uh, part of this week is that we finally get to go around in circles at the Speedway again. So, uh, very, very pumped about that. Uh, It has just been a ridiculously rough uh, first three races, so we want to get back to a place that uh, we've had success, um, you know, in the past couple years. Uh, make ourselves feel good again. Uh, that would be nice um, because Long Beach was a rough one for us as a group, uh, both both Renis and I. Um, but uh, but yeah, great great to be back. Great to have the whole crew here. Producer Ben as well. Uh, we have a great guest as well this week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in this show. We've got some Long Beach, obviously. A lot of things happen in Long Beach we want to get to. I uh, want to talk a little bit about um, the, uh, there were some, a lot of online craziness going on. There's some IndyCar tweeting statements about, you know, online abuse for drivers and all this stuff. Want to yep. get into that and kind of make it real for some folks and, and kind of let you know what is actually happening on the internet all the time. Um, And then James Hinchcliffe. Uh, is going to be our guest, James Hinchcliffe. Obviously, a very successful racing driver, very successful TV human being, um, and yeah, a lot of great things to talk about. Indy 500, McLaren liveries, 34 entries for the Indy 500, potentially okay. a lot of stuff. So, very very excited to get into it, Joey. Let's get into Long Beach first, right out the gate. Um, really? You know, what did it look like as a, from a from a from your perspective? Obviously, we talked a little bit about it with Hinch, but
2: um, yeah. It was a tough rebound after you know you're coming off the high of Texas, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that is tough. Yeah, is.
0: You're, you're, oval you're to street off- course,
2: right? You're coming off the short oval. You're coming off the, that absolutely uh, electrifying race in Texas, um, and and yeah, you go you go into a street course and you know it's going to be different, but um, you know with with uh, <laughs> I think it just kind of set the tone with L.A.O. and the first what was that three turns of uh, the first yeah. lap. Right. straight into the I, wall straight into the wall yeah um you know we we, we go green which i thought on tv i kind of i don't know what it was like for you but on tv it felt like the start needed to be bunched Awful. up. it was a yeah. little weird so me and my me and my pals were a little thrown watching it about uh why they did it um you know throw a yellow and, and bunch it up and restart it um but then it got <laughs> the yellow was thrown uh, anyway, right away with Elliot going to the wall. So I felt like that just kind of set the tone for, for what was going to be that kind of a, a race. Um, I, it, it, we talked about it with Hinch, but it wasn't, it wasn't cool to see Kyle Kirkwood. And, uh, sorry. I got a spam wrist calling me in the middle <laughs> of the <show. laughs> um, people wanting to get more bills from me. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool to see Kyle Kirkwood, a uh, young American driver who's afraid of the show. Uh, you know, go pull uh, to winning and, and a first-time winner, uh, which I think is important. So, um, all that to say, a little bit of a, a come down from Texas, uh, but the event did look spectacular on TV. I will say, yeah, for sure. I think uh,
1: Andretti dominance was the uh, was the you know the high, the highlight of the weekend, um, and Honda was really strong too. Five Hondas in the Firestone Fast Six um and and you know great for kyle i think uh, kyle obviously it was only a matter of time before he was going to win uh you know gets his rookie year in at Foyt um you know i i think what people you know i saw a couple different tweets this week about how indycar people were asking like hey explain how cars can be different we 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 think indycar is a spec series it's not kyle kirkwood didn't just remember how to drive join to andretti it's a different team there's a different organization uh, you can have a lot of differences in the the damper development side. You could have guys that um, you know that that's that's the only area physically in the rule package that you can be. You could invest whatever money you. I talk about a lot on this show. People have think it's probably repetitive now, but like I got questions for the podcast that have been DM'd to me about like, hey, explain to us how these teams can be so different. Well, that's really it. Uh, there's a lot of different setup changes you can make as well. To obviously, you know, have get the car in the right window. But, yeah, Kyle, very talented driver with Foyt. He learned the tracks, learned a bit about how the races work, maybe made some rookie mistakes, but he was already set for Andretti, which is perfect for him, um, and now he gets to really take advantage of it. So I, I think that was only a matter of time before that was going to happen. Um, and then also Grosjean there, boom. I mean, supportive yep. teammate, but yep. also just a powerful weekend for that for that group. Um, and... I, I kind of want to get into a little bit of the race weekend vibes. Uh, we started with a bit of a drivers' meeting that I found to be hilarious, and I I I hope willpower does not mind me sharing this because it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a drivers' meeting. Just to let people know, this is why you listen to this show. Maybe you get what really happens. Um, you know, in in the drivers' meetings, there was and a I'm- big discussion. Obviously, you mentioned the start at Long Beach was awful. Well, it's because the hairpin is so tight, right? You you could probably fit two cars through there, too wide, but very, so, very difficult to do that, especially without stalling the car or hitting someone. And the start was disgusting. Like we, we were green, and I obviously started last. I no. was green. We were green in turn nine, and it was like a traffic jam. And in the last hairpin, couldn't see anyone on the straight. Well, it didn't even look like the start of the race. Um, no. But we had talked about... There was there was a discussion in the driver's meeting about passing in that last hairpin. A couple of the drivers had brought it up saying like, hey, we should make it a rule to not allow people to pass people in the final hairpin because it can cause easy accidents. You know, Paddle got taken out there two years ago. Uh, I think Renus was in a, in a wreck there last year. Uh, there's some people that just... If you try to go for a move there, it usually ends up in disaster. Um, and so... It it was, and IndyCar had made the decision. They're like, hey, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna disallow passing on one corner of the track on starts and restarts. Like, you just can't do that. And and I kind of understand, but there was some a lot of driver chatter about like, well, should we have like a gentleman's agreement? Like, no what passes in the last corner. That's never gonna work. And Will Power said something that might have been the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. He's like, well, we should set some other consequences. And he basically said, if you pass in the last corner you'll be murdered
3: and I was like, <laughs> and the entire
1: room just starts laughing hysterically because will was already so mad apparently about this that he's like yep if you pass in the last corner, you're gonna get murdered and so that i thought was obviously he's saying this in a comical sense will power is not a murderer uh but that was one of the funniest things that i've ever heard of the driver's name i was sitting right next to him too and i I I have never laughed that hard in in a drivers meeting. Uh but that's the kind of consequences we want to we want to put out there apparently for uh, for passing in the hairpin. Obviously there were no rules that were set uh and thankfully there were no crashes in the hairpin. But Joy, I thought you would like that comment as well.
2: I I, I do. Yeah, I, I could just hear it and uh, you know yeah. in Will his pa- accent. Powers. Will Power's all see dry accent sense of humor. You know it's his brother's a famous comedian, so we'll exactly. in that he's got a little bit of that comedic timing to him. So uh I do appreciate that. That's great. And I feel like, you know, the reason people laughed maybe was a little bit of a nervous laughter because you're like, Yeah, that's that's a funny line, but he may actually fucking kill someone.
1: That's start a wild. You've seen his crazy hands that go up and do the birds
2: that raise control. You know what I mean? I mean, you never know. This dude probably has kangaroo farms where he could bury you and you never hear from you again. So there you go. I can see it. It
1: it was a very, very funny moment Um, that that just kind of started it off. But yeah, interesting weekend overall. Great crowd. Uh, great, great amount of human beings there. We had a lot of Speed Street listeners that were there. Yet again, I handed out a lot of Speed Street stickers too to those that got a Speed Street sticker. um awesome. I handed them out at the drivers meeting, uh, and or drive not drivers meeting the drivers autograph <laughs> session. Uh, did not hand them out at the drivers <laughs> meeting. <laughs> hey Joseph,
2: you're calling. Yeah, Man, did not hand on. them
1: out there. Um, but uh but yeah, great to have those folks interact. A lot of people say they're listening to the show and and we appreciate every single you one.
2: Got, uh, you got a free bill. You sent us a nice little yeah. photo.
1: Yes, no, that's true. Saturday night, uh having dinner with my lady out there at the King's Fish House, which is a great restaurant, in Long Beach, an incredible restaurant. Right. Uh no free ads. But yeah, it was so good. And we had uh our our our, our dinner, I asked for the check and it was um it had written on it that uh, big fan of speed street i sent you guys the group i uh, took a picture of it um sent it to the group uh, i will read out the message that was on there because i thought it was great happy 100 starts love speed street who's your fan uh so we appreciate um the human that's beings brilliant. that 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 uh the human being that paid for my dinner uh thank you for listening to the show man i didn't know this show was going to get us free dinners honestly that's uh, hu- I mean, it's a huge it's huge bucks i, I my, it's a date night got
2: paid for i mean it's crazy i respect yeah, look, that joey i think the, you're next we're big balling <laughs> in front of the lady man i mean you know, i could get like four meals or maybe four bottles of wine paid for a year just to <laughs> do that slow and get on here and bs with you about IndyCar. i'm cool with that that works for me so i <laughs> appreciate uh what was it king's fish house you said king's fish house yeah very delicious house place honestly up if you're out there in uh, Long Beach, got to check it out, man. They're a friend of the program. That's great. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an
1: employee of the King's Fish House. It was someone else who was also oh, dining there. Yeah.
2: Okay. It wasn't the
1: restaurant that paid for it. It was another fellow IndyCar patron that had paid for it. So well, we then, do love then, the
2: fish- King's Fish House, but <laughs> thank you King's Fish House first. is just okay. You're, you're, yeah. you're good. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Exactly. Uh, you, you mentioned... Uh, that 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 long beach was this this particular long beach was a, an interesting one was a struggle one um because it became a fuel race a fuel yes. save Ex- yeah you know, explain this kind of that process how it became that and then why that sucks
1: <laughs> yeah so honestly the the interesting thing about that race is it's it's uh, a two-stop strategy is the most ideal strategy to use there um And, you know, for us, uh, we were starting at the back. And so that first yellow that happened with Elio, we just took fuel only. So to make the short, like we started on the primary tires and our goal was to make the stint in the middle with the green tires, the shortest stint possible. So when we took extra fuel at the beginning, we were actually the only one to do that. A couple of people took fuel and tires, but we just took fuel. So we jumped about three or four people in the pits um, because we were on the primary tires, um, and basically wanted to go long and try to make the short stint with the reds uh, or the green tires just just short. Um, and it actually was working out fine. Like we went green, already had made up four positions, three or four positions. Um, past Benjamin Peterson, past Stingray Rob, uh, got up to the back of the next pack. Um, it, 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 things going well, honestly, for us race pace wise, we've made up like nine or ten positions by you know about half, like coming to the end of the second stint. Um, but uh but yeah, the 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 second pit stop for us, basically, what happened? Well, what happened was when it went yellow for Dixon in the wall, or went went yellow for whoever was in the wall, Dixon, I think it was. That came at a lap where it was too close to the pit window to not take because. There was I saw a stat. There was almost a hundred percent chance for a yellow with like ten to fifteen to go or something like that. It was a crazy history at this track for yellows, um, and so you ha- everyone had to take that pit stop. And it was a shame for us because we had had more fuel than anyone else, um, and we were ready to go very long on that first stint. But if we would have stayed out, let's say and gone straight to the lead, tires are older. We yep. would have it would have been a real battle, and it's only about four or five more laps that you're going to do anyway. So it, it's it, it's a really tough balance. So we had to take it, um, and then as basically as soon as that stint started, I, I you're like, all right, now we got to make fuel mileage, and everyone was kind of in the same boat. The problem is, is we got I I I I think I didn't realize how much fuel we had to save at the first at the beginning of that stint, um, and again. If you get a yellow at any time, that changes everything, right? So you're kind of just going until you get a yellow. Um, but what that meant for the rest of a lot of people's races is a lot of lifting. You're not driving as hard as possible. It's a different art. You're lifting early, breaking a little bit later, trying to sh- trying to shorten the brake zone, still be fast, but be lifting early. um, and it's just tough because you can't really push as hard as you can as hard as you're supposed to push. Um, but, at our second stop, uh, we had an issue with the air jacks anyway, the car never came the car never got up in the air. So we had about a minute pit stop anyway. So we were already out of the race by that point, but even still we had to get to the finish, right? So being already losing a minute and losing so much track, all the track time, and then having to save fuel, it's almost like the most boring race of all time. So, uh, it's tough, tough, certainly tough for us. We, we've had so many issues these first three races and it's just, it's hard to take. Um, but we saw how much, how many people also struggle with it. You know, the, the, the Hondas dominated, right? It, maybe that was a bit of a difference. We didn't see any Penske cars really threatening for the win there. Um, and, and I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, so that was kind of the, the summary of the race. Um, I, I really want to get into though, the craziness of Pado and what was going on oh. there. And the, him wrecking Dixon, and we talk a little bit about it with Hinch too, so we won't dive too deep into it. So stay tuned for that interview. But wild move for Patter to just put Dixon in the wall and be like, yep, not sorry. L- great for the series, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think we talk about what that what that does rules-wise deeply with Hinch, but just to see him drive and basically side-slap Dixon, or as Paul Tracy said, give him the side horn um, – you know that that's 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 kind of wild, and he also basically almost wrecked three other people too. And again, we're Padomania fans; we love that. I think that's great. But boy, that's if you're if you're going from what he did at Texas, pretty mistake free, having a great race, and then even St. Pete, maybe he was getting hot inside that car, and he's like, "I got, I got a win." And he, you know, obviously that wasn't
2: for the lead. That was, you know, I I, I thought it was kind of crazy to see. It seemed like it seemed like a mixture of maybe he was getting a little too full of, uh, paddle mania, uh, <laughs> you know, and he had to, he had to puke up somewhere. And then, uh, yeah, uh, it was a mix of that. And I think like you said, race three, I've been on the custody sauce two. give me this checkered flag. I've been up here I had a top five finish here last year. Um, and you know, just, just knowing paddle personally and, 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 and through the series and everything, like he, he has that, Mentality, I could definitely see that being the case. Like he, he's got that kind of, uh, like the 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 the, the parallel. For got me fire would be, to him. Well, he's got a fire to him, but the parallel yeah. for me would be because I always go back to football analogies. You know, the parallel for me would be like a gunslinger quarterback, right? Like he, he he's gonna do some things where you're like, holy smokes, that's amazing, but he's gonna do some things you're saying. My God, would you just reel it back in and not throw it over the middle of the field off your back foot? You know? Like, like he's, Jameis Winston, but if Jameis was successful. Yeah, like You know what he is? He's like yeah. he's, uh, he's like the Mexican Brett Favre who doesn't rip off people in the state of Mississippi. That's so, yeah, like what play, a comparison. Play-wise and driving wise. Yeah. that's you know pat up. maybe like a Baker Mayfield you know what I mean but yeah he's yeah Baker Mayfield Anyways. exactly
1: like he's he's got trophies <laughs> exactly
2: so what I'm saying is that he's just got that gunslinger type of driver to him I think and uh, uh he just fully those two things combined uh was kind of going for it and then yeah you <laughs> that interview afterwards it's like I loved it but I I kind of wonder if he wasn't fully surrounded by his had a little mania posse if he would have said the same thing you know there's like he, oh. was put, he was almost put was almost putting on a show in front of an audience uh after like the they're about to start a point. chant like for real like oh yeah. I don't yeah, like, god right. like yeah, scott dixon exactly is a right.
1: dummy like he should never have even tried to stay there it's like well no he's actually probably one of the smartest people ever but yeah <laughs> right it was yeah it was a great uh the funny thing was, too, that I was walking back from the race and I had seen this crowd around the McLaren. We were pitted right next to McLaren or in the garage area. And, like, I see the crowd. There was a crowd at McLaren all day, every day. Again, great for IndyCar. I love this. Love the buzz around McLaren. Um, well, Zach Brown was there, so he's a uh, Drive to Survive character. So they, they were they were asking for his autograph a lot, uh, which is great. We, we love television stars. Um, but... It was it was funny to see because I, I like Pato and the TV cameras. They were actually deep inside the tent, so they at some point they must have decided, "Hey, do you want to do the interview surrounded by all those <laughs> folks?" Because <laughs> I had walked by and they were over there like far away from the fans, and then they're like, "Now nah, let's just dive right in." Wow. And get, get in there. Let's stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's already out of his suit and everything. It's one of those post-race interviews that uh, it was very NASCAR-esque. Like, if someone at the end of a NASCAR race had, had wrecked someone else, you got to interview him. And I love that. Like, uh, we need sir. more of that in the sport. Um, so, yeah, interesting weekend overall. Not as much chaos, uh, you know, not as much, I guess, attrition as I'd think, I think most people would have expected. Um, you know, the fuel race thing was weird because, like, you know, we were. I was running ahead of Lundgaard. And Lundgaard finished like 13th, and I was like, "Oh man, it was a shame. I think we missed out on, our, on an opportunity for a good race." But again, these things happen for sure. Um, but in general, I, I think it was good to have first-time winner. Good to have Andretti kind of resurgence because again, it, it's kind of it's been such a wild up and down first three races uh, for for different people's successes. Uh, points kind of flopping all over the place. Erickson obviously being the most consistent, of course, he's leading the points. Um, but yeah, fuel races suck. Uh, hopefully, we can have a better race at, at Barber. But you know, there was a lot that happened after the event as well. One thing that we also had to point out: this is kind of funny for those who listen to the program. IndyCar memes was there apparently. The very very hilarious, I think, account that has done some hilarious work for the IndyCar uh, scene. Uh, it looked like whoever this person was was live live Instagram storying from the track. I still have no idea who it is. Never want to know. I think the anonymity is hilarious. So IndyCar memes, if you listen to this, keep on being
2: hilarious. Um, I'm glad you were at a race. I'm <laughs> glad you exist. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe, maybe tip of the cap, tip of the hand a little bit there, the West Coast base. They just make Don't a trip. Don't let... Yeah. Don't let anyone know who you are, please. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was great to see on social. Some other stuff that we saw on social that was interesting. I want to get your thoughts on all the the wild stuff that happened with Calamilot. He gets some some online hate. He's getting some online threats. He calls it an ad- out. Uh, we get some back and forths going on. Then we have IndyCar itself. Uh, the 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 IndyCar uh, social media channels putting out a statement. Uh, saying, you know, this is not what we agree with to represent, you know, we, we want our fans to encourage them to be respectful and um I haven't seen really anything like this in the in the you know last handful of years where I've really come on strong with IndyCar. And then you've been around it way longer than I have, Connor. So so yeah. what do you think?
1: Yeah, very interesting. Well, first of all, I mean, the IndyCar social team is obviously way more on it than they have been in the past. You know, they're they're throwing out so much content, which is great. I think that's hugely positive. So they're definitely more engaged, I would say, in the past. So they probably see it more than uh, they, they used to. Yeah. Um, but Callum Eilat obviously was, a, was, a, was, was struggling with some of this stuff. There was a lot going on. And again, I didn't really see the incident between him and his teammate, Augustine Canapino. Um I both of those guys are, are great dudes too, and I think they would work well together as teammates. But I guess there was a certain situation that went on where, where Augustine was leading and uh and Callum was trying to not go a lap down and there was there was some some sort of interaction. It it actually doesn't matter what happened. It really doesn't. Um but I think what I want to tell people, like Callum had put out a couple things. So, you know, obviously some of the Argentinian fan base were were going after, right? And I would say South American, Central American fan base is very passionate, very, very, very passionate people. And we need that. I, I think, um, I, I, I see this all the time. Like if, if we think this is a new thing, just letting people know, there's a lot of really supportive IndyCar fans as well. Like there's a lot of great support on Twitter and Instagrams. The comments and stuff like that are great. I don't really go to the Facebook comments because those seem like be the worst place ever. Um, (laughs) but this isn't like a new thing so like the fact that like indycar put out this statement you know i guess that's okay and great but like literally every week i block like a hundred people like because they're like we just get trash thrown at us all the time and i i don't know why people think and honestly it is really it's awful to read these people that you have no idea who they are just coming at you that don't know anything about you but they feel like hey you know what I need to trash this person's life and existence. But that's, but like, that is what happens every day. So again, I would love to eliminate that because look, I I think we're fine. I don't, I don't really care. I had all of Mexico coming after me uh, two years ago uh, after Pato was leading at Road America. I was trying not to go a lap down. I pulled away from him. Didn't actually stop him from winning that race, but boy, did Mexico want to kill me. Like it was true. I, I know exactly how that feels, but I mean, I don't care. Like, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? We're all racing. Like, it's, it's you guys, I blocked all those people. And I never see them again. So, they're dead to me. Like, I don't care. But it's not fun to have to read and go through. Like, it sucks. So, like, I understand where Callum's coming from, for sure. It's annoying. But we're never going to get away from that. Because these people that tweet all these things, these awful things at us as drivers, I mean, it could be anyone. I mean, never go to Facebook because everyone there is right. Um, but it's 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 something that sadly we're not going to stop. And I think it makes me appreciate the 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 good side of the IndyCar fan base. Like I've got a lot of great fans and supportive fans, fans that have known me since like I, I did win a lot. You know what I mean? And so like that's that's really cool to have. Um, but hate to see that. I guess you, I, Joey. I I we talked a little bit about before the show. As someone, you are very highly followed on the social medias, right? Which means that you get both a lot of positives and also some attacks as well. Like give us, I, I, I guess I'm trying to put it in, in reality. Like for people that are at home and doing their thing, you know, imagine people every day you wake up and on your social media, someone is attacking you for what you do at your job for no reason. People that you don't even know. Like it's, it's kind of
2: annoying, but you have to be prepared for it. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it it's it's definitely and it, it, it maybe maybe this is maybe this is what's happened with with Callum a little bit. You know, I I'm not speaking for him obviously and I'm not making excuses for people making death threats. I mean, that, there's no place for that anywhere. Anybody who does that on any platform in any way is a huge coward and is really just insane. And like oh, so, yeah. th- so there's no place for that kind of stuff. But I you know when 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 I started getting more of a following and my career changed and everything, like it was a weird adjustment period, right? Because used to you you would just you would not be maybe you'd hop in the comments of something and you would know that you no one knows or has anything to say about what you're doing, right? And so like you would just maybe get some positives of friends or people who know you It was like, oh wow, like you're look at you, that's cool, what you're doing, right? And then all of a sudden it changes to where like it doesn't matter. What you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to have somebody just absolutely eviscerating you, right? Oh yeah. Um. So so that that is a weird adjustment, and like I said, there's no place for people who want to make crazy threats or 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 have really hate speech type of nonsense like that. None of that. Um. But to your point, and this is something that I had to accept something that you've long accepted, you know, a long ago, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, being someone who is in the public eye, if you will, you being a professional race car driver, uh, me being in entertainment comedy, um, that has a following that's more of a public person who puts themselves out there for a living, whether it be on the racetrack or whether it be through sketches and comedy, things like that, um, that has always been something that people in the public eye have to deal with. And that's always going to be that way. Um, and I think maybe to Andy Carr's point of making a statement, maybe it's just because they're trying to get ahead of it of avoiding that toxic kind of fan base to where it's not just like a, a meme or like a light joke. It's, it's, it's something that's like really aggressive and unnecessary and, and toxic and bad. Uh, which makes sense. You don't want that and you want to get rid of that. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it's a weird adjustment for everybody who goes from being uh, somebody who maybe just works in like the private sector, if you will, or or has kind of a private life to then go into more of a public life in a public sphere. It's a weird adjustment that, that everybody faces at some point. For sure. And, you know, I, I, one thing, here's a weird
1: spin zone. I think it's great for IndyCar. I, I think the fact that we like that, not, not great to have all the best, of course, but like if we're popular enough to where we have to issue, as IndyCar has to issue a statement like that, and there is a, a lot of attention. Like I saw that tweet that IndyCar put out, the statement got a million views or something like that. Hey, I'm not going to lie, guys. I think although it is, it is tough and, and, and that is not good, I, I do think there are more eyes paying attention to this sport, which again, We don't want the hateful eyes, but realistically, if your sport grows, there are going to be more people like that. So, yeah, I mean, like, you see people like soccer players in Europe. I mean, oh, my gosh, the fan base is for soccer players in Europe. The Formula One fan base, I mean, Formula One is so massive on a worldwide stage that you literally had Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen fans, like, almost lining up at a Civil War-type battlefield with muskets and swords, like, after the World Championship finished. Like, look, that is a toxic group of people over there too. But hey, as your sport grows, you're going to get that. And we're going to have to deal with that. But realistically, there are still more positive people, I would say, than negative. Certainly in my case, I've been very lucky and thankful. But like, if more people are watching, you're not only going to get more fans, but you're going to get more and more haters. Which again, it's part. we are in a sport and you are in a profession as well, Joey, where you're going to get that. But as you grow, you're going to get more of each, right? And so we just have to be prepared for that. I think no matter what, it's never going to stop. Absolutely never going to stop because a kind of scumbags in the world, obviously, and just people that are dumb, no offense, like, well, actually offense, but like people that just don't understand uh, well enough to comment properly on things. But we appreciate the fact that the sport is growing. I, I do see a growth in our sport. And honestly, passionate Argentinian fans, like I drove for Ricardo yuncos love the passion they have for motorsport. Right? Not good to be throwing bad death threats. Cancel that. That's out. We're we're not doing that. But like, I really want to race in Argentina. So again, I think there is there is again awful stuff we don't want to have happen. But I think if you have to look at this as a whole. It's always going to be there. I'm sorry, but that's just that's just the case. It's always going to be there. I had a couple NASCAR drivers reach out to me, and they're like, "What's going on with IndyCar?" Like, we get this stuff all the time. You know what I mean? So, but that's a bigger sport than we are. So, like again, yeah. this is going to be something that is prevalent every single weekend, and we as drivers just have to be prepared for that. Not fun. Doesn't suck. I mean, it's not good, uh, but. It does not give anyone permission to do it, but you're never going to avoid these people. That That's what I would have to say about it. So again, Spin Zone, IndyCar is popular enough to where people are talking about it and throwing crazy, awful, terrible things, but we don't want those. So, yeah. so keep it's a, it's your it's... hate at home and don't tweet it.
2: Yeah, it, it's a real, real double-edged sword, really is, uh, because like you yeah. said, I think, your point, there there is something that you could be said where it's like, Oh wow, there there's that many people who care. There's that more people who have eyeballs on it and they care. Their 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 passion is um you know, their passion is mistaken for crazy statements and things online, right? Yeah. Um just so think ten seconds before was... you tweet it.
1: Just right. think ten, like, hey, what if someone said this to me? And I often yeah. think if that person literally read that to themselves, maybe yeah. they'd be like, Wow, that does sound dumb.
2: <laughs> definitely and so, uh, yeah
1: I really wanted to get to that but there's a lot of really great stuff that we get to with Hinch here but some Indy 500 stuff obviously we got the open test this week which is very exciting I can't wait to get on track tomorrow we're recording this on a Wednesday we're testing tomorrow Thursday Friday it's going to be on Peacock please watch uh, Same. great subscriber numbers Um, you know our TV ratings from Long Beach we had over a million people which is what we want and that was going directly against NASCAR so again this is a positive, people, for sure. This is a positive. Uh, I know it's not a a huge gain, but boy, did we not lose, and and that's that's good. So I think it's great for us. We got to keep that momentum going to Barber. I'm very curious to see what the start times for NASCAR and IndyCar are there. Um, but I Barber think we was can.
2: Was t- a USA race last year, wasn't it?
1: I don't think so. I think all the first ones were NBC, as far as far as I'm aware, but I, I, I'm not sure. Um, What I'm excited about is the popularity growing. We need to do that. The first episode of 100 Days to Indy, I guess I can officially talk about that because we all saw it. And uh, it was great. Uh, I I, I would like to give a quick synopsis on that. Um, Be prepared to see three drivers on the very first episode. But you have to realize that they build characters. If you watch Drive to Survive, everyone's favorite Netflix show, some drivers were not talked about at all in the first episode, but they came in in the third episode. So you have to realize they got to build characters, and this is a you know week-by-week week series. So um, I thought it was great for the three drivers that were a part of it, but they showcased a lot of great action. I, I just think obviously some of our core fans, they're going to be – everyone's going to nitpick something because that's what we, that's what the world likes to do. But if you appreciate it as something that helps our sport, I talked to a lot of people that were happy about it. So I i, I think it's going to be fun to watch. P- please tune into that April 27th. That's episode one uh, on the CW. It's going to be on Vice as well. You're going to be able to watch it. You're going to be able to watch it somehow, uh, some way. everybody
2: so, so
1: just yeah, sh- literally everyone does have CW. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Indy 500 news. Uh, we're gonna have bump day. So I don't know if everyone, if anyone missed that, there is gonna be a 34th entry. Uh, RC Enerson, who I would love to interview on this show, uh, RC, former teammate of mine uh, at my rookie year at Coin, um, very very talented, underrated driver. I would say uh, what he did with us at Coin, I think was very very impressive. We both had some great races there together, um, and. I, I think this situation, too, with Abel, J- Abel Motorsports, uh, Jacob Abel and his family and their team, uh, a lot of great people at that team. Um, they, one of their engineers there uh, was with the uh, Schmidt Indy Lights team when me and Joseph were there. Great engineer. Uh, and John Brunner is there as well, who worked at, I believe, Forsyth Motorsports back in the day, in the Champ car days. Uh, a lot of really good experience at that team. Um and I, I am, I'm excited to see how that works for them. I, I I think it'll be, it'll be way better than what RC had last time. Hey. Um, but excited to have bump day. It makes qualifying crazy. Who's going to be the nope. only car out? That's going to be tough. Like obviously we hate to see one person go home, but that's the Indy 500. I'm sorry. This is what this is what you show up for. This is what you tune in for. Qualifying is going to be a hundred times more exciting because something is on the line someone's gonna have a tough day someone's gonna have the greatest day ever so love to see that um i mean joy that that takes qualifying level as a
2: fan to a whole a whole new level no doubt man yeah i mean i've known last year obviously there was last year was different because scott set the record you know and those the speeds last year was just insane oh yeah uh so that 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 provided some excitement uh, but yeah, there's just, again, going back to what we've talked about, harped on for really kind of me and you started the show is just like that drama, the, 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 the storyline, the drama that everybody wants to get me on, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Holy cow. Is it coming down the last second? Is he going to get uh, another runoff? Right? Like that's, yeah. it's all cool stuff. It's all very, very exciting. Um, and, and, you know, I think it just adds an extra, you know, the, the, the month of May and and fast friday and qualifying and the race weekend it's all one big cake right but then i think when you have bump you know it's just that nice special icing that you love that's just on top of it all that really just makes it that much better
1: oh yeah yeah and i the funny thing is i said to my girlfriend amy i was she hasn't been in any 500 qualifying yet. i was like well now you're going to experience what it's really like you know what i mean like this is the drama the craziness um you know we obviously hope to not be involved in that drama and craziness but someone will be and odds are it could be someone you won't expect you know what i mean like everyone's thinking well maybe it'll be Catherine and rc trying to make the race but like what if the, the ray hall letterman cars are fast you know what i mean what if all hondas are fast and it's you know it's a it's a chevy battle to get in who knows uh it's going to be interesting so i'm excited to see it uh we also had mclaren reveal all their indy 500 liveries which Zach Brown was there for, they did a big reveal, uh, in Long Beach. Um, they did it after uh, the three cars, basically after their triple crown victories, Lamal, Monaco and the Indy 500. Uh, very cool. I I, I think they could have done maybe a little bit more, but sometimes simple is good. Like Pato's car is just all black, but like, if you look at it closely, it's like black with like Pearl Flake in it, which I I think is Yeah. Like a charcoal. And then the None. white on the top looks really, really cool. So I, I definitely love the um, the sort of almost Marlboro type colors, but orange and white instead. Uh, I, I like what they did. And then TK's livery with the black and orange—it's just a good mix. And and I think for them as a McLaren brand, very cool. So uh, great yeah. work to
2: them. Um, I, thought they had, I thought they were. I thought they were. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a big um, you know my my. <laughs> My I always joke with Ben Polizzi, but my fashion sense is kind of the three C's: clean, cool, classy. You know, yeah. I mean, You can't really go wrong with uh, simple, like you said. Um, and I thought that's what they did, and and the storyline behind it, I you know I appreciate it. But also, you know, I think uh, you know somebody like Hinch and the fans out there who's going to be watching, it's gonna be a lot easier to tell these cars apart from uh, you know last year where you have maybe like a slightly different blue number, and that's how you're you know, telling at 230 miles an hour who's padoed, who's Felix going by yeah. sometimes, uh, just because that's that's kind of all you're really working with. So so I, I thought they were... I thought they knocked them out of the park, man. I thought they were really cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, great stuff. So we got a lot of really cool... A um, lot of really cool news going on this week, and uh, this will be an extra long episode, which is great, but I, I think we
2: should get to our guest now, Hinch. Uh, if you would like, Joe, you have one more thing? Yeah, just... Um... Obviously, Connor is going to be at the test day because he will be driving and working. (laughs) Um, But for anybody who's out there on Thursday, I will be out there on the mounds in turn two as well. Uh, I'm bringing my son, which I'm very excited about. So it's his first time seeing and hearing cars on the track outside of the womb. Um, So if you you, you see me and you want to say hey, say hey. I'll probably be enjoying that. a nice Miller Latte or something out there, uh, watching Connor and friends go around. But uh, yeah, hope to see everybody there. So
1: I'll give I'll give you some Speed Street stickers to hand out. We'll give you nice. Speed Street stickers to hand out. Yeah,
2: I'll clip those in the stroller so I can have them ready to go. Uh, when yeah, on hand. Uh, cool, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get the Hedge. Great combo. Well, we have a very well known
1: guest uh, this week. Very very exciting. Uh, Canadian man. Uh, a man who has many IndyCar trophies, a man who has uh, many trophies really throughout his life. Uh, He has a wonderful wife. Uh, He is a bourbon aficionado. He is uh, uh, really one of our first uh, political figures uh, as well. Uh, He is a a mayoral human being uh, in the uh, Canadian lands uh james hinchcliffe we appreciate you uh being here and also nbc guy of course we wanted to list you know your current job as well nbc man of the hour james thank you for being here how did you feel uh about that intro and uh are you are you happy to be on this podcast well, I mean, let's just say, guys,
3: uh, thanks for showing up. We're out of time now, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> that, that was the most in-depth intro I've ever had for anything, and I appreciate it all. I appreciate it all, buddy. It's uh, it's a thrill to be here on Speed Street. Uh, been a long time coming. I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie. I've been a little, little weirded out that I didn't get this call sooner. I thought maybe I offended somebody or something, but. Well, we are, look, j- we finally
1: did it. I mean, honestly, James, we just had to establish ourselves first. You know what I mean? We, I, I was on the 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 off track with Hinch and Rossi program, and I appreciate that. Uh, but you guys were already successful, and we wanted to get to that point of like, hey, we got to at least get enough listeners to where it's like, oh. We we do want to hear Hinch, not like people that like, you know, eighteen people that you already knew were gonna listen. Like we want now to you you to be exposed to even more folks from the Dirty Mo universe. Well, so I, I we was just gonna had say to, you guys did your yeah,
3: big old Dirty Mo program and I uh, I respect the hell out of that. That's a that's a I,
2: huge get, guys. <laughs> I gotta say I am a little offended actually, uh, <laughs> because he has been on about seventeen thousand uh vacation beach vacations. <laughs> Uh, uh, not, not, not yet received one invite or one hey you don't want to fly down to this private island that i met and uh so i am a, a little offended at that but other than you know i, I can we can sweep by that it's all good <laughs> i mean it's it is shameful
3: it is shameful but i was holding out for this invite so now that i've had this invite joey
1: maybe let's let's oh. go
3: hang out on a beach buddy
1: well it's just it's a step-by-step program we understand how these things work We're just all trying to build each other up to maybe eventually end up on beach vacations really more often. You know what I mean? That's the goal in life is to successfully get your way to doing beach vacations on a regular basis. I feel like that's got
2: to be it.
3: That's it. That's it. And I mean, Joey and I are kind of kicking it off because I think we're going to be neighbors uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year. I think we're going to be bus bus lot buddies. I can't say bus bros or bus lot bros. That's taken. But we're going to be bus lot buddies. We should start a little like, we should start like a a satirical little like YouTube show called Bus Lot Buddies. That's just a complete (laughs)
2: rip-off. You have my information, and uh, I look forward to planning more (laughs) of that. (laughs) Oh,
1: man, that's... I tell you what, Joseph's gonna love that since he's a big fan of already what he's got going on. Um, James, to get into serious topics, well, not really serious, but we just had a motor race, uh, a motor race in which you were also inducted into the Hall of Fame of said motor race, which is very exciting. The Long Beach Grand Prix, uh, Hinch Hall of Fame guy. He's got one of those big. Is that a, a storm drain they gave you? Is that a storm drain yeah, they put on the cover, ground? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they gave you a storm drain. We love that. Uh, very, very cool. But you got to see the race. Now, I still think you should be in the race. But you got to see the race and commentate upon it. Uh, I did not watch much of the race, obviously. I will not watch it because it was awful. But the motor racing that I did see via clips on the internet, I I thought there were some interesting things happening. I want to get into a few things with you on it. But overall, what did you think of the race? Huge fuel saving rate, like one of the biggest fuel saving races that I think we've seen in a while. Which are the worst sometimes. Um, but what did you? What was your kind of initial thoughts on basically the the program in general? Because I thought a lot of people watched it too. But well, we can get into ratings too. I thought that, that was not bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, the ratings were were very decent
3: considering what we were up against. You know, head to head with NASCAR and um, and it's you know the. Kind of strongest year-over-year race that we've had so far in the season, uh, which is always nice. And and look, it's Long Beach. It's like the coolest event outside of the 500, I think. It's almost a unanimous feeling across the paddock. Um, the turnout was the largest turnout we've had in like a decade and a half at the track. Almost 200,000 people over the weekend. Bananas. Awesome. Great vibe over the weekend. Weather was good over the weekend. Uh, the race itself, look, we had that caution on like lap 20 or whatever it was. Uh, I I guess that was for Dixon and Steele with Pato and that just, that destroyed the race. We actually had like a pretty good race kind of coming with a few of the drivers in the top 10, starting on the primaries. You had the rest of the guys on the alternates. It was just getting to that phase of the first stint where the primary guys were really going to get after it. The alternates starting to fall off the cliff. And that yellow came, which did two things. It essentially reset the strategy so everybody was on the exact same strategy. And it made it a fuel save race from then on out. And look, it's not fun from in the car. It's not the most exciting thing to watch. But at the same time, we still, you know, we've got to see an interesting, I think for the first time in a long time, a heads up fuel mileage comparison Honda to Chevy. And I think there was a bigger difference there than what, certainly i had thought was was kind of the the program at the moment in the series yeah we got to see a first time winner you know in a a sophomore driver which is always always exciting um we got to see andretti autosport have a nice comeback after two garbage weekends to start the year (laughs) so it was though not the most like thrilling on track motor race it was still a cool event and the race result was still awesome uh and so i'm glad that everybody tuned in to watch
2: Inch, what can, what do you think can um, the series and, you know, TV, I don't know how much you can go to the TV, but what do you think can, the series can take from Long Beach to kind of help that momentum for whatever magic pill they got working out there? Is there something or is there a few things, maybe?
3: I mean, I think the big thing is you, you hype up the fact that we had a, a, a young, early 20s, second-year driver win a race, you know, I think we got to push that youth movement in a big way. That's always a good thing. Um, you look at the battle for the championship. You have had three different winners from three different teams so far in the season. So I think there's a lot of good momentum and, and a couple couple good little nuggets so we can take out of Long Beach and kind of bring to barber. You know, uh, Pano hasn't won a race yet. He won that race last, last year. Um, so that's, you know, he's probably the odds-on favorite going into that one, which would make it four different winners out of four races. So, yeah, I mean, it just really highlights how competitive IndyCar is right now.
2: But what about even even like the at, you mentioned the the attendance with over 200,000 people. Like how, how do you, is it possible to kind of get that at the track momentum to transfer or is it just all dependent on location? I think it's, I think it's
3: dependent on location, man. I think it's really dependent on the promoters in each event. You know, some have different strategies than others. Some strategies work better than others. Um and and I think Long Beach has always done a great job at it. It's also been doing it the longest too, right? I mean, after Indy, this is the longest running event on the calendar by a, by a couple of years, and so they have that experience. They have the formula. They know what works, what doesn't. Uh, so yeah, if anything, you know, there's a big meeting at the start of the year where all the promoters get together. They sort of share ideas, things that work, things that don't to try to help each other out because obviously they're not in direct competition with each other and the better each individual event does, the better the sport is as a whole and and keeps growing. And then the other cool thing, speaking of growing the sport that happened in Long Beach, was we saw the, you know, the preview of the first episode of hundred Days to Indy. So we're all Man. hoping that's gonna bring more people out to the track. So a
1: couple of different things that hopefully we can, you know, use to carry the momentum forward. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach is one that we've really never had to worry about people coming there. Like, it's always a great event, and, and but this year it did feel slightly larger, and and it felt like there was um just more attentiveness. I would say, like, there's a lot of people that go to Long Beach just because, like, it's Long Beach, and we're gonna have a couple beers, some King tacos, all the things. You know what I mean? Um, but but this year, and 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 the amount of celebrities. Even with Coachella going on, that was a tough one that a lot of people were at Coachella, even Lewis Hamilton was at Coachella. uh you know we saw a lot of people over there. but also, you know, I would say the attentiveness here and 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 celebrities and folks that were I I guess high level individuals that like actually like were even more interested, I would say than than normal like a lot of a lot of celebrities we get to the track and they're like, man ah, cool pictures here we go. but like the a lot of the ones that I talked to were like genuinely more interested in like, hey, This is like really cool what we have going on here, the Grand Prix of Long Beach. So I I thought that was great. Um, And I hope that obviously our audience, of course, we got a million people. Anytime we get over a million people watching, I think that's a positive thing, especially when we go up head-to-head against NASCAR. That's like a death sentence usually for us. Um, So I hope that, now that then translates to Barber. Because Barber has been, I, I wouldn't say Barber is the greatest race on the calendar. I I'm not a, I, I don't think it's the greatest racetrack for us. Um, But if we can continue that momentum and get those millions of people at, at Barber, I think that would be great. And again, a lot of drama at the end of Long Beach. So hopefully that keeps people engaged. Paddle hit everyone, it seemed like. Uh, I, I don't know how that happened all of a sudden. I saw the videos and I was like, well, now we've set an interesting precedent because there were no penalties, as far as I'm aware, right? No penalties for essentially just driving Scott Dixon directly into the wall. Interesting precedent that's been set. And I think I, I'm going to have a question at the driver's meeting, certainly next, next at the next event, because that's dangerous when you set that because now it's like as long as you put your car there, it doesn't matter what happens to the other guy. If you wreck them, well, great. Then you got one less person to worry about. What did you think about that, Hinch? I thought it was weird because,
3: and, and you know, Rox and I had this discussion slash debate because we're not entirely aligned on this one. Yeah. And I seem to recall at some point there was always a, there was two things that, that the officials used to kind of tell drivers, right? One is the needle of responsibility. Yes. That was a term that they like to use. And the, the, there's more responsibility on the passing car than the car being passed. That's just kind of a universally accepted truth, right? So obviously, Pato is the passing car, so there's more responsibility on him going into, this, into the situation. The other thing that they... I, I remember them saying, apparent, you know, I've spoken to someone who had a conversation with them where they kind of argued this point a little bit, but maybe you can back me up on this. The outcome of contact... In terms of do both guys just drop a wheel and maybe lose a position? Does one guy lose two positions, the other guy keeps going? Does one guy's race end and the other guy carries on to win? You know, like that does play into whether or not a penalty is is involved. And in this case, you had one guy's race essentially over. I mean, I know he continued, but he's lapsed down, so he's essentially over. And one guy carried on with absolutely no no issue. So I was expecting a penalty. It was a very late move. It was from pretty far back. There's nothing Scott could have done. But no. Pato's argument that he was alongside him is like, yeah, you were alongside him at point of contact. But yeah. like, if you watch his onboard, how he got there, when he got there, it's like there's, you know, as soon as you yeah. hit the brakes and turn in, you're committed to your line, especially on the street circuit. And there's nothing you can do. And so if so, Scott wouldn't, he would have looked in his mirrors, wasn't even close, hit the brakes. At that point, Pato counted one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, then hit the brakes. There's nothing Scott can do, and Scott's race is over, and Pato keeps going. So, look, it's a ra- it's a it's a racing deal in the sense. Like, I don't blame Pato for trying to make the move. I was just surprised that there was not any repercussions from any car. So, I'm I'm it- curious to see how they answer that question at the at the next drivers' meeting.
1: Well, exactly, and, but also, like, Pato literally like threw himself into like another three cars, like either before or after that. Like, I didn't. I ha- I didn't see that incident on track because like my like my team was like oh there's a bunch of cars in the wall in turn 8 and like they continued and I got there and like everyone was like rummaging around and continued but like when I saw that clip like again Pato legitimately like had no hope of making that corner and and it that could have been like a track blockage you know what I mean so I again we we I, we last on our last show Pato Mania happy that he's getting a lot of support um but like you uh, I I think that was, if you look at last year, you see Joseph fencing Grosjean at Nashville, right? You look at that and like, there was no penalty for that, right? No penalty there, if I remember correctly. There was uh, Scott McLaughlin. Rossi and and Felix. Yeah. So Rossi and Felix at Toronto. Exactly. No penalty there. But even even at St. Pete, you had McLaughlin and Grosjean, right? Like now both of them ended up on the wall, but- McLaughlin got a penalty for that, am I right? So, I believe
3: so. I don't remember actually, but I think maybe.
1: Yeah, or no, or well, Kirk would also didn't, got a penalty cuz they were I don't know. Yeah, maybe he did, but like it's just there's a couple incidents where I look and like now this is smaller, but like Devlin shoving me off the track with any GP, like it's the same thing. If there was a wall there, I end up in the wall, right? It's the same it's the same thing. And there's no penalties being issued. So I guess I I don't know if we should be cool with that as a sport like I get it but like as long as you're aware that it's going to look bad when like everyone starts just wrecking everyone because you can like now the the precedent is like put your car next to the other car don't care about said other car he is now in the wall like that I don't think that sets a good cuz again we want to have the best racing I think and I think we do have really good racing but like Race control hasn't done anything. I got a penalty last year for making a a half block move to Grosjean. Had to let him by, and I was like, "Well, that what? Like, we're going to allow people to crash each other with no penalty?" But then, like, if I make the wrong move because I looked at my mirror late and tried to block him, well, oh, that penalty. Like, I I, I find it a little bit, a little bit hot. I would say. So what I'll say to that
3: is, there's always two sides to the story, right? And so looking at from the other side. I will say that you want to race control. They never want to get it involved, right? They of want course, to be yeah. as, as removed and, and step back as possible. And so you, you don't want to discourage drivers from making moves. So I think that definitely plays into their decisions. And then the other side of it is I, I see what you're saying. And kind of Scott made a similar comment in his, in his post race uh, interview, uh, kind of gloves off if that's how we're going to race, let's race for sort the of thing. I think it's important for people to remember that it's really hard to do that in an Indy car and also get away with it yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. don't have bumpers and we don't have, you know, like our wheels are
1: exposed. So yeah. like, well, Pottle he didn't get away, away with, with it, it the first time. Like he didn't get away with it when he spun himself into the wall. So like, no, that that, that was, that was yeah. the second one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah.
3: Yes. And, and, and that one, he did stand up and say, 100% my fault. I got it too yeah. deep and. And that's the one he actually, he could have taken out three guys. Nobody actually got taken out by that, which was very lucky. Um, But I think that even though the drivers are seeing this, this precedent, if you want to put it that way, being set, I don't really think it's going to lead to too big of an increase in that type of incident because those it's hard to do that right yeah you know what I mean like it's if you gave Pato 10 more laps and, and Scott Dixon 10 more laps probably be like alright recreate that exactly where he goes off and you have no damage and carry on it's really hard to do yeah. so I'm not too worried about it getting too rough and tumble out there and I know race control doesn't want to get too involved and look Fans are passionate. If Pato gets a penalty, there's going to be a raft of fans that are like, Oh, yeah. BS, this was a racing incident, whatever. If he doesn't well, get like, a penalty, it's going to be a raft of fans. be like, how can you let yeah. people drive like that? This is <laughs> crazy.
2: Hange, when you're in the booth now, and we saw it at Texas a little bit, you know, because you and Townsend and even Lee with the Rossi-Kyle uh, Kirkwood incident in the pits, you guys came out on the broadcast, and from your vantage point, you're like, yeah, that that, that looks like it's a Kyle. And then it comes back afterwards and we have all that mess and Kyle's quote tweeting IndyCar and NBC. Now the incident's on the track when you're in the booth. Is it a weird balance for you? Are you thinking about, uh, I need to kind of sit on a line here a little bit? Or are you just not afraid to keep throwing out the opinion?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, my, my job is to call it how I see it. And, you know, I was in the car for 11 years. I know what it's like to be in most of these situations. And I just have to give my opinion how I see it. The fact of the matter is, people will disagree. If I was involved in the incident in the car myself, people are going to disagree with your opinion on it, right? You're not going to get everybody oh, yeah. on the same page. So I I have to be very conscious of the fact that my job is to call it how I see it. I can't protect anybody. I can't protect my friends, you know, whenever. All the guys are my friends. Like, I, I get along with everybody. If someone has an issue with something that I said after the race, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it. Uh, and I did. I did talk to Kyle after Texas, actually. Um, and I mean, that was a unique one. Cause I mean, I've got over the videos on that, all the different angles a hundred times. And it's just like, there is such a good case for both sides of that being at fault yep. that I would say at, at it's, it was a racing incident. There's, it was a really hard one to put a penalty on when I really kind of dissected it. Um, still thought it was maybe a little, I think there was more that the combined 27 group could do to avoid that the seven group given all the information, um, but yeah, I mean, no, yeah, you, you have to just, you have to just call it, man, it's it's tough sometimes, you know, you're going to, you know, piss some people off, maybe, but you got to do what you got to do. You think it's yeah. more
2: difficult for you, though, being, like, it's like, you know, the, the, the kid who graduates high school, and then, like, four years later, he's back teaching at high school, right, it's like, what the hell, you were <laughs> just here, right, you know what I mean, people, <laughs> is it a little bit more awkward and weird Thank for you, it, it has to be.
3: Yeah, for sure, but I have to forget that part of it. You know, I have to just when we're on air, I've got to just do my job and be professional <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah, and then like I said, there I'm sure there will be times where I'll say something on air because it's how I see it, but then I'll immediately go find that guy and be like, "Hey, man, I didn't mean to like swing at you, but like that's just how it looks." So, I mean, tell me I'm wrong, and we can talk about it. But like, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. That was one of the things they told me. They are like when I first got the job at MVC, they were when they first offered me the job, they're like, "Just so we're clear." You're going to be okay calling out your friends right like we can't have everybody just sure. sure treated with with gloves you
1: know with white gloves on and whatever i'm like no no i'll i'll do what i gotta do yeah i mean it, I, I i completely agree because i i dabbled in a little srx commentary you know what i mean and like yeah got the boys in there that we know about but uh you know you gotta you gotta call like you see it for sure um i think we we did a little research on that that issue that we talked about Scott McLaughlin did get a drive through in St. Pete so like to just cap that el- that off interesting that that ends up with a penalty and and the paddle thing doesn't so i, I think it'll be very curious to we, we we could get into it for hours but like it'll be very curious basically just to see how that progresses because Pado coming out saying i ain't going to apologize with his huge posse of of fans behind him Love that scene. Honestly, as a fan, I thought that was fantastic. Um, probably not the greatest thing to say because, like, if you did literally wreck six-time champion Scott Dixon, like, straight into the wall. Um, but great for the sport, I think. Great for the sport. Uh, as long as we just don't get into demo derbies, uh, great for the sport, right. right? I think so. I I think what I what I could
3: see... Uh, being a topic or a or a rebuttal from the stewards when that question is asked, is the situation with Scott, he blatantly lost control of the car, right? Like he had a rear lockup, it stepped out, and you could say that loss of control is part of the reason why the penalty was applied. In Pato's case, I mean, he's, he didn't lose control. He didn't lock a front tire. He didn't lock any rears. He just fired it in there. So maybe yeah. that's where they draw the line. But then it goes back to toronto uh with felix and alex Dead. where felix got a big oversteer on exit and that's what snapped his car into rossi's car and that's what put rossi into the wall no penalty there <laughs> you could argue loss of control so it's like i think i think when we when i talk about this with, with rossi his big thing is just like i i want consistency he's like they didn't exactly. call a penalty on a felix situation and i ended up in the wall and felix ended up on the podium i think so he goes. I'm glad they didn't give a penalty, or else I'd be even more angry about Felix not getting a penalty in Toronto. He's like, I don't care what the outcome is, as long as it's consistent. Yeah, and that
1: that's that's exactly the point. That like, I just we just want to make sure like this has this can't be a confusing message because let's say you get three races left in the season and there's you know a championship on the line and you you might not have called something for the Pato incident here but then you decide that, okay, he went off and fired off one of his championship competitors or someone else fired him off. And like, he's expecting a penalty. It's like, dude, you didn't get penalized for doing the same thing in Long Beach. So like, they have to be consistent. It's one of those things that that that's where it just becomes like right now. Hey, you know what? Racing boom, bing, bong, everyone's in the wall. If at sometimes like that's fine. But it, the consistency for sure is the key. Um, so Joey,
3: well, let me let me ask you
1: this. Yes. So, as someone who's had fewer IndyCar starts
3: than Connor or myself, you're watching that yeah. from the out, uh, but you've watched a bunch of IndyCar. You're watching that from the outside. Do you like that race control didn't get involved in that? Did you think like that was the kind of move that you're like that eh, seems a little too much? Maybe should have been penalized.
2: Like, what was your take on it? No. After <laughs> after doing this for almost two, well over a year and a half now and, and and yeah and and talking with folks like you guys I was of the same opinion as Connor um just because I'm kind of looking at it and exactly what he said I'm just like if if that's not then what is and so that's where you know I'm sitting there at Daredevil Brewing and uh, and Speedway with a couple buddies you know Sam A who you know Hedge and he's kind of losing it. And he's just like, how, you know, What? how is there nothing going on there? What is the paddle doing? And uh, yeah, so from from my vantage point, it's the same thing. And I know that there's been instances, um, like Connor said, with Devon last year where we <laughs> we had a full podcast episode essentially about that, where we are <laughs> not only breaking down the incident, but also what Connor said, uh, you know, over the radio, which was great, but um, I guess that's just kind of my thing. And I look at it, I always try to do like parallels and analogies here, like, uh, you know, like Colin Cowherd, if you will. But like for the the non, you know, for someone who is just a very casual fan of racing, I look at it as like, okay, if you have that defense that's really, really uh, uh, aggressive, right? And they're all over the receivers in the first quarter and they're not calling it. They're kind of setting the precedent, right? That that they're going to let him play, you know. Um, and then, like you see in the Super Bowl this past year, all of a sudden, at the most crucial time, they call kind of a "you're going to call that holding penalty." So, to Connor's point, what what he's saying, if you know three races left, or you know you're on Portland or whatever, and there's a championship on the line, you look back to Long Beach in April and be like, Whoa, "What? Where? Where's the line here? This is a very gray area, and and I can't figure it out." So that. That, that that's how I saw it, Hinch. So
1: to get into a little bit more, we could talk about IndyCar all day because that's what we do. This is our job. Sometimes, uh, what about those who are, let's say, members of the Mayoral community, Hinchtown visitors? Uh, when can we expect to see uh, James Hinchcliffe? Let's say back in a race car. Like what? What is? Because like I know I've talked to you every now and then personally. I think people probably. Don't know, maybe how close you've been to this, that, and whatever. Maybe sports cars. Maybe another Indy. Do you have any interest in doing a one-off at the Indy 500 again? Obviously, you don't want to show up in anything that's not competitive because you know we know how that can go. Um, but what's what's the latest on driver Hinch? And it, what what are our chances of seeing you behind the wheel again soon? in in, in a plaid outfit, potentially. Who knows. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. No, that's uh, uh that's a great question. I yeah, for sure. I am interested in, in all of it. I uh I have been very close to a couple sports car programs, as you sort of alluded to, do that for, you know, reasons, life racing, however whatever you want to call it, uh sort of all fell apart at the last minute, which is kind of a bummer. Uh so still interested in doing some of that and getting back behind the wheel in that world. Um and, yeah, I mean, as far as IndyCar goes, you know, the 500 is is the only thing that's kind of, you know, left for me desire-wise to get back in and do. And, uh, as you said, it's 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 got to be in a car that's worth doing it. And so, you know, I had some conversations over the last year about, you know, 22, about 23. None of the programs got me excited enough, to be honest, to, uh, to do that, to really put everything that you are into doing that race and, and trying to win it. You know, I don't need this another starter ring to sit on the shelf. Uh, I I want to I want a baby Borg. So, if the right program comes up, hundred percent, man,
1: I'll I'll jump back in and, and wheel it around the speedway any day. One thing I find interesting, real quick as well, um, you were with Andretti. I would say the in, in I would say years where they were struggling. I, I would say Andretti has made a huge step forward this year, um, and I think. Our driving styles have been probably not as favorable towards this AeroScreen era car. Uh, but what do you think has been the major upgrade to the Andretti program since since you've been there? Because again, I would say probably just a tough, the last year for sure, a tough couple of years at Andretti there, but they've they they have tarred it around in a huge way. What have you noticed has been different? Has it been just pure investment in, Finding the mechanical grip, finding the speed, finding the way that car you know has to work. I think it's I think it's a couple things. Uh, I
3: do think there was some pretty big investment over the over the off season. Um, you know, in in the broadcast, we, we had a lot of conversations in like pre production meetings over the first couple races about how for the longest time, you know, we've talked about the big three teams in IndyCar being Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti. And then, when you really look at the last ten years of the series, all ten championships have been won between Penske and Ganassi. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, is it actually a big three? Is it actually really just a big two? And then, then there's like a middle three, which is Andretti, McLaren, you know, Ray Hall, whoever, you know, whoever else. And so, I think that Andretti as a group recognize that they're angry they haven't been in a genuine championship fight for a couple years. Uh, and so they pulled the trigger on a couple things. And then I also think that there was a big talk about, you know, how to just work together better as a team on a race weekend. It's, it is so tough to balance four programs, you know, four different cars. You've got four different drivers, four different engineers, potentially four different philosophies that you want to chase or, or paths of development you want to do on a weekend. And it's easy to get lost, especially as you know they started taking away practice time from teams. And so I think it's a combination of, I mean, they've always been good on street circuits. And that's been two of the three races we've had so far this year. Yes. Um, I think that they did find some stuff to even make their very good street course car even better. And then I think there's a lot of harmony in the team right now. I think that the drivers are all working well together. I think the engineers are all working in a slightly different way. And and the results are showing. I mean, the results on paper haven't been what they wanted. The first two races were, were pretty bad, but the uh. speed was there. There was a lot of bad luck involved in that, like Grosjean fighting for the win in St. Pete. Uh, you know, Herta got into the top six, I think, in Texas, and and uh, Grosjean was right there, maybe it was top seven. Um, but then a lot of a lot of issues that took them out. You know, Kyle had his thing in St. Pete. He had a mechanical in Texas. Whatever. So it was great to see them one, two, four in 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 Long Beach. I think it just shows that they've got a lot of good pace and and yeah, what for whatever it is, a combination of a bunch of little things, I think, have really turned that team around.
2: Open testing at IMS uh Thursday and Friday, Hinch. You know, you'll be in the booth for like eighteen hours. Uh what do we got planned? <laughs> have we got any wild wacky segments we got planned that we can look forward to, or are we the boys' chatting? Oh god, I hope so. <laughs>
3: I hope so. We know there's uh, yeah there's there's a, a laundry list of taped elements that I think we're going to burn through over. I think it's seven hours on the first day and six hours on the second day, um, but we'll see. No, it's look. I'm 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 happy that we're we're broadcasting it on Peacock. I think fans just love seeing indie cars around the speedway, and so it's uh, it's always fun to get to be there, see cars on track. The the programs I imagine most people are planning to run. Are not going to be the most exciting to watch. So, like, don't expect that sort of happy hour, you know, full fuel race yeah. down pack running at the end of the day. I don't think we're going to see mile that. Now. Winds,
1: 25 mile an hour winds <laughs> tomorrow, too. So, really, everyone's going to be thrilled yeah. to be out there. <laughs>
3: yeah. And then potential with some, like, some rain on Friday. So, it might yeah. be a slow couple of days, but it's still, it's still a new car Speedway. And uh, yeah, we might have to get a little
1: creative, Joey, to, uh, to fill some of that time i think it's gonna be great though i i love that peacock's doing this i think I, I think also the streaming numbers too from long beach were were big i mean you got over fifty thousand people watching uh the the race via streaming platform so like that's great for us it's great for our partners it's great for everyone um i don't want to take up too much of your time because we do have an indie test uh literally tomorrow uh, and i'm sure you have some preparation to do but <laughs> i want to get a quick- track yeah well, I've, well, we're lo- unloading right now. It's fine, no big deal. I got to go there in a, about an hour. Uh, I want to get a quick speculative uh, Indy 500 top three from you. Uh, let's get a, get a little prediction right now at the gate with no preparation allowed, uh, and it doesn't have to be in any order. Just give us a a three human beings that end up in the top three positions. James Hinchcliffe, this is all you. Scott Dixon, Colin Herta, Alexander Rossi. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. That's probably a solid. That's probably a solid top three. Alex has had a rough a mix four of teams. Alex. Yeah, Alex had a rough go, but
3: I, yeah, like I, I look at what you know, Plato and, and Felix did there last year. So obviously the cars are competitive. They've thrown Tony in the mix. You've got Alex as a rain or as a as a previous winner, tons of experience, very fast there. That's a good combo. Uh, Colton, I think, really wants to make up for what happened last year. That oh, car yeah. day crash, you know, go to the backup car, just a disaster of a of a race day for him. Uh, and Andretti obviously always a threat at the speedway. And then you got Scott Dixon, the guy who should have probably won the last three, you know, in a lot of yeah. ways. And uh and then the Ganassi cars on last year, I mean I mean, based on last year, you should say if the top three are gonna be Marcus Erickson, Alex Polo, Scott Dixon and Tukumasado. Yeah, the top, well, there's your top four
1: i mean the hondas have been fast
3: too i mean well yeah 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 them yeah (laughs) it in, i think in qualifying yeah i think in qualifying the hondas have had an advantage i think in the race pace though it's pretty at the 130 boost it's pretty
1: even i would say yeah i
3: I don't think they have i don't think they have the same advantage
1: yeah I, i i mean i i'm a team chevy guy of course and we love we love chevrolet but i think uh you, I guess we'll we'll know a little bit tomorrow, but you never really know until you turn up boost for for Fast Friday. You're not gonna know anything tomorrow. But like, man, <laughs> they were. I mean, they were so fast last year that like it's gonna take a pretty considerable, you know, jump from. Uh, even as someone who ran right behind a Honda in P two, man, Scott had a lot of speed, and those Ganassi cars were well, so but, fast. But that's the thing.
3: That's the thing. You you've got to be careful. It's a combination. Because you can. You can say the Honda thing, but there were five Ganassi cars oh, that yeah, were yeah, all yeah. in the fast twelve. Yeah, like those cars were so fast.
1: man. So yeah.
3: they skewed the numbers a little bit, I think. That's but true. Yeah, I do still think in quality trim, Honda's got a small edge. I think in race trim is pretty is
1: pretty even. Yeah,
2: I'm Real excited quick, for it. Real quick, Hinch. Uh, I know um, off track's got an event coming up Friday. What do we got going on at the track with uh, you and, and Rossi and them? Yeah, man, uh, pretty excited. We're doing a live
3: show at uh, at the Speedway on Friday. So we're really hoping the rain holds off because we've got a suite in turn two. Um, we've got a bunch of people coming out. We're going to try to catch the last hour and a half of practice. And then once Rossi's done messing around with his engineers, he's going to come up to the suite. We got Prime 47 catering it. And we're going to do ourselves a little live show and have some fun. So, uh, Connor, you're welcome to swing by, bud. We'd love to have you. Joey, if
2: you're at the track and want to
3: come check it out, please stop by. I uh, would love to have you guys there, and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a good time. Well, I mean, tickets as
2: you know, right, right. Then get them,
3: tell them where they get tickets.
1: Oh yeah, get tickets. Tickets.
3: If, I mean, tickets are going fast. So if you want to come, it's this Friday. Uh, tickets are on askofftrack.com, dot com, and we're down to the last
1: couple guys. So uh, if you're listening, get on it. Well, as as you know, Hinch, I, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to pass up events with free food. Uh, so that could be a potential for me to be there. Um, I appreciate you coming on to this podcast. There's a lot that we could talk about. Uh, if you don't listen to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, well, I, you probably do if you listen to the show, so please do if you don't. Um, and, uh, and yeah, let's, let's have a successful IndyCar season. Please watch the races because Hinch will be entertaining you on them. So Hinch, thank you so much. And, uh, we'll see you on the Peacock. Thank you, guys. I'll be entertaining
3: you on them. You'll be entertaining us in them. <laughs> Joey and I will be having wild nights in the bus lot all May and culminating in your show at the Vogue at the end of the month, which I'm excited about. So Thanks, It's, uh, it's going to be great, guys. Let's have ourselves a time. Thanks for
1: having me. Thanks, Inch. See you, buddy. Well, that was a great chat with Inch, I think. Uh, we could honestly, we could have we probably spent an hour talking to him, but uh, we got to go to the open test here soon. Got to go to the track Um, to get things ready, to go 230 miles an hour. Uh, You know, last year, the open test, the quickest lap was like 229. So we could be ripping tomorrow Uh, and Friday. Hopefully the rain stays away. Um, There's going to be wind. So please watch on Peacock for sure. But great chat with Hinch. He'll be on the Peacock broadcast. He'll be trying to fill time with crazy chats and all kinds of weird things. Um, So, yeah, loved, loved having a great conversation with him.
2: I, same, uh, love Hinch, but I, I texted him about a month ago and I was like, Hey man, what's your, like, are you going to be back in the driver's lot this May? Or what, what's your, what's your status kind of, and he was like, man, I don't really know. I'm not for sure. He's like, are you going to be back where you were? I said, I think so. He said, well, shit, I'm just going to tell Dougie B to put me in the museum lot. So that's very, very exciting. And, uh, something to look forward to as well. And selfishly, I'm excited because. Then I'll get some Hinge time because, you know, he's got okay. way more downtime than all you fellas who uh have to be in all sorts of drivers meetings and with your you know, we're engineers and everything. So uh look forward to some uh bus slot buddies action from me and Hinge, no doubt. Uh Connor, you got a yes. random Indy five hundred driver this week, I hear.
1: Yes. So uh one of our favorite segments, the Ricky Treadway random Indy five hundred driver of the week. Um honestly we went deep deep into the indy 500 history for this one but, and i'm not gonna lie i did get a little a little hint a little maybe uh suggestion which i don't usually take uh on this one um from president of ims doug bulls uh he thought this could be an interesting story and doug does know more about the indy 500 than all of us um, so we went deep into the archives. We went to the 1925 Indy Always. 500, the 1925 race. Uh, and we're going to go with the, the 13th place finisher in this event. Uh, Earl DeVore, Earl DeVore finished 13th. Now let me read you the, 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 wiki- the Wikipedia story for Earl here. Francis Earl DeVore was an American race car driver. DeVore and fellow driver, Norman Batten, also an Indy 500 driver, uh, I believe he finished in this same race, nor, uh, he was not in this in 1925, but he he was also a driver. Norman Batten and Earl DeVore were aboard the SS Vestris Ocean Liner when it sank. He is credited with saving the lives of his wife and Batten's wife, both Batten and DeVore were lost at sea. Reports indicate that Devore was eaten by a shark in the icy waters. Oh man. We this is our first shark attack driver of the week. Uh we lost two Indy five hundreds on a boat crash. Are you kidding me? The SS Vestris sank two talented drivers. Um, that's crazy. I uh, did, did, you, did
2: you did you Google that, Joey? <laughs> I it was following along. Added <laughs> to the list, man. Yeah, we got a good tweet. I think last week and the week before, somebody was like, you know, their reaction when one of our Indy, a random Indy, Indy 500 drivers isn't a felon or dead. Um, so I look forward to seeing what people hear about. This Port week Earl is shark attack. In the, in the bowels and the belly of a shark.
1: Yeah, so poor Earl was lost at sea. Uh, R.I.P. Earl. Um, but thank you for saving people's lives. Hero. And- Zero. Interesting about Earl as well his son uh Billy DeVore went on to do 7 Indy 500s as well starting in 1937 so that is awesome so we have a family uh, a hero who saved people's lives got eaten by sharks uh and then his son uh boom 7 time Indy 500 starter so that is what a wild story that is Two drivers lost at C. R.I.P. Uh, to Mr. Batten as well. Uh, Norman Batten. So, wow. That's uh, that's wild. We got a little bit of two-for-one deal here. Two-for-one
2: deal. Earl DeVore? More like Earl Devoured by Shark. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, and, man. Uh, on that note, uh, we will get out of here. It's been a great one. Thanks to Hinch. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope maybe you're Listening to it on your way to the track out there on Thursday or Friday. Looking forward to being back at uh, the World's Greatest race course. Always a good day to be there, especially when there's cars flying around on the track. So look forward to that. Um, yeah, good deal. Be sure to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. We keep pumping this up. We're getting guests every week. The month of May is just around the corner. You got to be in here. You got to be on the speed street, man. You got to be with us. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, for Connor Daly, for Ben Walden, for Joey Mullen, and myself, We'll talk to you next week on Speed Street.